0: Spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks thinking about the idea that it's better to be a friend with God than with man, and um, I think the more time you spend being a friend with God, the better friend you'll be with others. You might even end up sitting at a bar talking to some guy that leaves you his millions. You never know what might happen being a friend with God and how you treat others. But that's a whole side note. The the music kind of preempted. I they kind of said everything in their songs that I could say today. So. Um, We can either leave or I can go with my notes, so I'm cool either way. Uh, A funny thing happened while I was preparing uh, for what I was going to say today. Uh, I went to the barber for the first time in 20 years to get my hair cut. True story. You can think about that and sit at the bar until 2 a.m. pondering that thought. I thought I would share a view from the windshield of my eyes and brain with you all today. I threw out my original notes about 6.30 this morning. I was compelled to save those for another day and you all would uh, maybe get to hear those or maybe not. But what I was thinking about was Romans 3.21 and really not even the whole verse. I was reading this verse a few weeks ago, and uh, it caused me just to stop and just ponder it for a second. And a lot of us have heard uh, 3.23. People have used Romans 3.23 to get us in a headlock. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, Hopefully Luke's never put anybody in that headlock and and with that verse. But uh, (laughs) Luke uh, 3.21 never really caught my attention. And when it did, it was really only one word. It says this, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. And really, that one word was the word apart, apart, and that word means excluded from consideration. Now, apart from the law, excluding from consideration the law, God God's righteousness has been revealed. In other words, God's righteousness can be excluded from the consideration of the law, and the law can be excluded from the consideration of living a righteous life. Which is really a radical thought, I think. Maybe not, but I thought so. But um, there was a cold January day in 1978, And the fire alarm went off, and I tended to wear short-sleeved shirts during the winter, and so I had to go outside in the coldness, probably 15 degrees or something like that. And I was coming out of a class called Word Power, and the teacher's name was Eleanor Castle, and she had the reputation at Evansville Harrison as a hardcore teacher, a hard teacher to get a good grade from. And maybe to put my scholastic training in place, I could show you um, a picture here. And I don't know uh, if you guys, if you're ever driving down the road, if you ever try to figure these things out, we always try to figure this out. I couldn't figure this one out. I had to have somebody explain it to me. Once they explained it to me, it's like, it's the story of Keith. Have you you guys figured this one out? Luke, (laughs) I got C's. Any any other of my compatriots here? I got C's. And the irony of this particular um, license plate is it was sitting on the back of a $250,000 car. (laughs) So I was on my way to maybe a sea with Miss Eleanor in word power until that fire alarm went off. And I went outside in my short sleeves in 15 to 20 degrees weather, and Eleanor smoked like a chimney. I don't know if teachers do that anymore. But she got a free smoke break out of this thing. She was thrilled. And I'm out there like this. She rolls down her window and says, Keith. Come sit in here. I guess the term is she hotboxed me. She she got me in her car and was just firing that thing was but I realized that she had a compassion and a kindness that nobody had told me about. And so I got to sit in her car. And because of that, I started paying attention in her class. Isn't that interesting? And because of that, I learned that words do have power. And my vocabulary expanded geometrically because she taught me to look at words by their prefix, their root word, and their suffix. And I began to see that words really aren't that complicated. So then I have another friend who's old. He won't listen to this, so I might even say he's old as dirt. He is really old. And he told me a few years ago, his name's Ken, in case he does. Hey, Ken, you're really not that old. Uh, But Ken told me that small words are often more powerful than large words, And that thought occurred to me that if I'm going to communicate using smaller words is a better way to communicate because they can be more powerful and can help people that maybe don't have as broad of a vocabulary. And so those two people early on in my life brought me back to this word apart. What do we got there? Five letters? And so those five letters really stopped me when I was considering that verse. It's like, what does life look like apart from the law? Because I honestly haven't sat under a lot of teachers that have ever described what a life apart from the law looks like. And so, then if I haven't sat under those people, how would I know what that looks like to execute? Does that make sense? And so the only answer I knew was, I guess I'm going to have to teach myself since nobody's taught me this, and so I thought I would show you what my life looks like apart from the law in just the last couple of weeks, if you're okay going on this journey out my windshield and with my brain, because you don't want to have my brain, because it's a scary place in there, and so um, that's where we're going to go. That wasn't really my original notes, but I thought I would take you there and see where this thing goes. The root word apart, the root of that word means to divide or separate. Divide or separate, right? And many other words come to mind from that root. You can look at the words like part, particle, participate, partial, particular. Those are just some of the words that come from that root word of part. And, and so, um, as I, as I start thinking more and more about a part or like uh, participate, seems almost the opposite, right? Participate comes together and apart is to separate. And so all these things were banging around in my head as I was preparing for today. And I had an outline in place. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, my phone started blowing up yesterday morning. And so I thought I would say that this verse is a big deal. The law is so subtle, it has a way into our lives unknowingly. And, and, and then once we realize it, like, oh, I've been really silly about that. And, and then the other thing is God's righteousness is so much more than really most of us have ever had discussed as followers of Jesus that we may not even know what it looks like if we see it sometimes. It may be that song that those guys played, right? Would it occur to you a righteous man would be drinking a beer and smoking cigarettes and leave his wealth to somebody he didn't even know? Might be might very well be. Ironically, I didn't ask him to play that song until I came in there playing it. I'm like, oh, perfect for my thoughts there. And so life is lived by faith in Jesus. And what does that really look like? How does somebody do that? And, and how do we live apart from the law? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that verse has just banged around in my head for decades. It's like, what does that look like? How do you do that? How do I personally, how do you live by faith? I would say you start today. That's how you do it. I I, I can't help you do that other than to say just today is the day. Uh, You have the mind of Christ. Your default thought process is righteousness. That's the default of who you are. And... Um, Galatians says, fleshly thoughts are obvious. If you go to Galatians 5, it says the deeds of the flesh are obvious. So fleshly thoughts are very obvious. You may not want to admit them at that moment, but they are. If you feel like you want to get in a fight or argument or put something on the Internet that you shouldn't probably put out there, it's probably not your default nature. And so uh, uh, yesterday, a righteous man um, texted me at 825, Uh, explaining how amazing God is. He was telling me this story that is just unbelievable. I was like, that's really cool, thank you. And as he was explaining it to me, I realized that I had to kind of somehow organize this thing today, and he told me he was going to be up on stage. I go, why don't you just do the prayer time and explain what you just explained to me? And so you guys got to hear Danny uh, tell his story, because he, for some reason, texted me at 8.25 yesterday morning. I don't know what that looks like. It just happened. Um, Then, uh, and, and when he texted me, I was about done with my notes for today. Literally, I was just about done and off to my day. And then another righteous man texted me at 836, and he said, Sup? And I said, The part in my hair. Because I was studying the word part, and I was thinking of things that were parted, like my hair. And he said, well, we know that's not true. And I said, it's a large part. (laughs) True story. This is what happened. This is just a life of faith, the mundane, the text. Um, He spoke of running with me. And then when I said, okay, I'll go put my shoes on, he said he couldn't. I'm like, all right. But I decided uh, I'll put my shoes on anyway and I'll go for a run because he kind of I just, that's the way my brain works. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go for a run. And so I went for my run and did whatever I do during my run. And as I was completing my run, there were people with binoculars everywhere. And there was a lady with this massive camera with a big lens. And I said, because it's me, I said, what are you looking for? Like, I'm in these woods almost every day. And whatever you're wanting to see, I want to see because I don't want to miss out. And she said, the warblers. And I didn't. I knew the warblers came through Ritchie Woods, but evidently they hang out in Canada and make their way to South America, but they stop at this particular point in time at Ritchie Woods, and so I learned that the warblers were passing through town, and then the spirit said, you might want to let your friend know who is a photographer, because he takes a lot of wildlife pictures, and so I emailed him, did you know the warblers are in town? I don't know if he's going to do anything with it, but I sense." That's what the Spirit was telling me to do. And it didn't sound King James at all, right? Like it was just the life that I have. So we'll see if he gets it. Maybe I'll get a picture of a warbler in the next few days. We'll see. So anyway, my day went on like that all day. I got to enjoy my family at dinner time, and it was an amazing Saturday. And that was just yesterday. Uh, and then I told you I woke up early this morning, and the Spirit said, use some different notes. And so here are the different notes. But the, the kind of, I'm going to give you a broader, I'm going to go out from just yesterday now and, and tell you uh, uh, a little bit of what's happened in the last month in, in these same kind of things, okay? So, and, and part of this goes back a couple years ago. Um, uh, Windy Gap Young Life Camp is in Weaverville, North Carolina. It is one of the most amazing places I've ever been in North Carolina. It's just a cool place. And I was invited to a retreat there a couple years ago. And this retreat was like a secret handshake, cool guys kind of thing. Like you have to be invited to go to this place. And um, I thought, well, I'm a cool guy, so I'll go to this secret handshake place. Well, when I got there, it was a bunch of sermons. And I'm not a sermons guy. I'm like, holy cow. I'm giving up a whole weekend to sit in a room in this beautiful place with a bunch of sermons. So that guy that had that license plate did what he normally does. I skipped the sermons. <laughs> I just I just thought, I'm in God's creation here. This could be one of the most beautiful places ever. Why would I sit inside a room like this when God's right there? And nothing against the cool guy handshake thing. I just... I went to some of them, don't get me wrong, I'm not a complete pagan, just slightly. But um, when I was there, um, I went in this, this room where my dorm was, and this fellow was there, and he had played professional football for the New England Patriots, and all these people, and he was older than me, so this wasn't new news, but these people were mesmerized by him, almost more so than... That friend that I was telling you about when I started with, like being a friend with Jesus, more important than being a friend of man, they they were kind of like hovering around this guy who his fame was probably 30, 40 years ago, right? And I was just sitting there watching the whole thing, and then finally they all got tired asking questions, and they they left, and so I said, hey man, tell me about how you came to know Jesus, And his eyes lit up, and we had a one-on-one conversation for probably an hour, and I walked away from that conversation with my jaw on the ground. He was playing, I don't even remember what position, for the New England Patriots, which I know what we're going to say. But his teammate wanted the starting position. His teammate invited him aggressively to a cocktail party. His teammate switched the drink and put poison in the drink and tried to kill him. He poured it down his throat, disintegrated all the stuff in there, and God miraculously healed him, and he lived his life to tell people about Jesus. And nobody in that room asked him and knew that story. They just knew he played in the NFL. I'm like, it's kind of an interesting story there, Cat. I appreciate that. He told me another one more ridiculous than that. And I'm like, all right, that was better than sitting in a sermon to me. It was better than asking about his NFL career. I saw that God healed this man supernaturally, and that was kind of cool. But I made my way back into another meeting, and in that meeting, it was more of a small group breakout thing they do, and um, one of the guys in this meeting was kind of taking control of it and kind of forcing his opinions out there. He was an older guy, and then there was a bunch of younger guys in this little small breakout, and he was kind of putting out his uh, opinions to them, and I just sat with my mouth quiet and... uh, i found most people prefer their own opinions to mine. And so I generally just don't offer them unsolicited. And so I didn't in that time. And as I'm leaving quietly, as though I was never in the room, this young man followed me down the trail. And basically he said, "Uh, um, I really want to know what you have to say. I'm like, well, why would you want that? I didn't say anything. And he, he said, I know, that intrigues me. I think you have a lot to say. Long story short, Caitlin and I ended up hiking with this guy out in Phoenix a few months later. We didn't—we had no idea that would be a thing, but that happened. And so, um, that was my my well, uh, a friend. This part's probably critical to the story. A friend from Fort Bragg at that same trip knew I was going to be in the neighborhood, so he drove to Windy Gap, North Carolina, to visit me at the Windy Gap. Uh, Young Life Retreat Center, and um, what we both discovered then, and probably he remembered, but I didn't, is that the retreat center is not in Windy Gap, North Carolina. It's in Weaverville, North Carolina, so he was two hours away when he finally texted me. It it took him an extra two hours to get to Weaverville from Windy Gap, and so uh, that was a couple years ago. On July 29th this year, I was invited to the secret Handshake Retreat Center again, right? And um, I was so enthralled by all the sermons, I was, I was excited to go back. Not really. I, I, was, I just left it in my inbox hanging there, wondering, Lord, am I supposed to go to this thing? But the guy that invited me to it almost, I think, it's, he didn't tell me this, but I think it's safe to say he probably almost died this year. And the Spirit was stirring within me, might be good just to go look him in the face to see how he's doing. Might, like if the only reason I go to North Carolina is just to see his face to see how he's doing. Does that make sense? Like if for no other reason because it definitely wasn't for the sermons I would go back. And so maybe I should. I should have listened. Maybe I would know. But anyway, that's me. Um, so uh, I didn't RSVP, uh, but I sensed if I was going to go that I would invite, I was, but the main part of that trip would be to share the windshield with somebody, like to have a friend go with me, and I invited both of my friends, and they both said no. L- Luke told me no, so I didn't have a friend to go with me, and so I was thinking, maybe I'm not going to go. I ended up expanding my friend circle to a broader group, and finally Cameron said to me, I think I got this worded right, I might be able to make that work. He was really definitive about the process. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, I might go then if he might go with me, and I might have somebody to share the windshield with. Um, Then on... So that was... I got the original invitation late July. Still hadn't done anything with it. The cutoff was... The cutoff had come and gone, so all the cool people had already signed up except for me. And so... Uh, on August 18th, Rusty texted me to see if I would be interested in teaching today. I said, I texted back, I don't know, yes, question mark, I don't know, maybe, if that's what I'm supposed to do. Then on August 19th, I received a text from a friend that said, if you're free this evening, I'd like to speak with you. I'm like, okay, I was uh, hanging out over here that night with some friends, and so I, knew, I told him that as soon as I get done hanging out over here with friends, I'll call you on my way home. Um, to tell you even how this person became a friend would be another hour of time, so I don't, we don't have that. But this person said to me when I called him, he said, um, um, would you uh, uh, eulogize my wife? This is probably 9 o'clock at night after a long day. And I was like, uh, I was humbled beyond measure. But I also knew that this possible North Carolina secret handshake thing is coming up. And I kind of loosely committed to this. And so I explained this to my friend that, yeah, here's the deal. I would be honored to help you in this way uh, up until August 25th. Uh, I'm leaving town on the 26th to to head out of town to something. And if I can do it before then, I'd be honored to do that. He calls me back a couple days later and says, okay, we're going to do it at 1 p.m. on the 27th. And so I'm like, well, that didn't really fit my plans, right? I said, I didn't have a piece at telling him no. So I said, can you give me a half hour just to ponder this and see what I'm supposed to do? And in that half hour, just the Lord just didn't audibly, he just kind of sensed I was supposed to say yes. So I called him back and said, I'd be honored to eulogize your wife. And so my plans for North Carolina were shifted. See how that happened? It was not what I planned. Uh, that week was an extremely busy week for me, even before I was asked to do that. There were some extenuating things that were going on. So... Without the spirit, my stress level would have probably been through the roof uh, because things that I had to do were kind of challenging. So, um, But one of the things I added to my calendar that week was to sit down with his family and to get enough information to speak well of my friend Becky. And so they told me all these stories, right? I'm listening and writing notes as fast as I can and trying to think how to organize this in a way to explain this Because generally speaking, if you speak longer than the time allots, people don't like what you are or what you said. And if you speak shorter, they like you and what you said. So I knew that parameter. So I knew I had to take all that they were telling me, shrink it down into a small space, and get done shorter than what people expected to get the job done properly. That's what was going through my head. But I had pages of notes. And I'm thinking, man, if I leave any of this out, somebody might be disappointed because they thought it was important, but it, it's not going to make it. But as they were telling me all of this, um, and Becky was a very slender person, and they were explaining to me that Becky loved Whoppers. And I'm thinking back to my Burger King days, for which I've been fired multiple times, I wouldn't really eat a Whopper. It was one of the things I was thinking, and I was thinking of how I had could operate a Whopper machine as well as anybody else, but then, then, then when I was thinking that she ate tons of Whoppers, I just couldn't see, and my brain was not, and so like I just heard background noise while they were talking for a while, and then I snapped to and realized I had a job to do, and they explained malted built balls is what she likes, not hamburgers, and so I go, oh, that makes sense. And so... I was compelled on my way home from Anderson to stop at the candy shop to buy the malted milk balls. And I heard a person say a long time ago, at your funeral, you can expect 200 people. So I knew I needed 200 handouts for the people. And so then I was thinking, well, how many malted milk balls? I'm like, all of a sudden this this thing like, it seemed like work was, I'm like, oh, why am I doing this? And so I tell the lady behind the counter, this is what I'm trying to do. Can you have somebody call me? Because I don't like work and I don't want to work. And so the next day, somebody called me and figured out my problem for me from the candy shop and offered me a bulk discount on buying the chocolate. And I'm like, cool. So then I have these boxes of chocolate, right? And I've got a busy calendar and I'm thinking, Connie is going to kill me if she has to put these chocolates in um, uh, Ziploc bags. Like I, I... I give her some really weird things she has to do sometimes. I'm just envisioning her sitting at the table, grumbling, putting chocolates in 200 Ziploc bags. And so all of a sudden, this thought hits my head, and the thought was a name. Kim Hens came to mind. And so I call Kim, and I say, Kim, I've got this problem. Here's my problem. I don't really know what to do. Kim says, I have the exact answer for you, and I'll do it for you. And I'm like, huh. That was pretty easy. So I dropped the chocolates off to Kim. Kim take care, takes care of packaging them for me, and I was able to deliver them to my friends friends at the celebration of life without me really doing anything other than being a facilitator. Does that make sense? I'm really good at this. I am I am a rock star at doing nothing. So at the at the eulogy, God. I felt like spoke his words about Becky through me. I just showed up and let him do his thing through me. And it was fun because there was chocolate at the end. And one of the things Kim asked me is, what do you want me to put on the label of the chocolates? And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, you're wanting me to work. You're wanting me to think, Kim. And I don't want to think. And the spirit said, that's all, folks. Like from the Looney Tunes, because he reminded me that Becky loved the Looney Tunes. And so I thought, okay, that's all, Kim. That's, that's, what, that's all I want. She goes, that's all? I go, that's all. So we put that on there. And so anyway, um, now we're to next Friday. And uh, I thought Cameron could hang out with me because he's heard me talk about my friend Jesus a lot. He just hadn't had the opportunity to hang out with me and see what happens in this kind of idea. So Cameron jumped in my car with me, and we pointed the Suburban to North Carolina. What was it, about four? About four o'clock last Friday with really no real plan because uh, my friend that was having health problems had got to this secret retreat uh, a few days earlier, and I was thinking he might not have the energy to drive himself home five hours from the retreat center because he's been standing all week and he hasn't been doing that since he's had his health problems. So maybe Cameron will drive his car to get it back to where it needs to belong and then I'll get my time with my friend sitting co-pilot with me and we'll drive to the coast together. So we get uh, rolling down the road and about 9 o'clock Friday night, Cameron says to me, so uh, where are we staying tonight? And I answered, that's an excellent question and pulled out my phone And um, we ended up, it turns out that we ended up in Wyethville, Virginia. I don't know if anybody's ever stayed in Wyethville, Virginia. um, Which turns out that Wyethville, Virginia is nowhere near Windy Gap Young Life Retreat Camp because I had forgot from the two years before that the Windy Gap. Young Life Retreat Camp is nowhere near Windy Gap, North Carolina, and had plugged Windy Gap, North Carolina into my GPS device. However, because we had that extra time in the car, Cameron and I had a lot of random conversations, as you might guess, and he mentioned to me that he had a friend in North Carolina that he hadn't seen in a long time. Well, North Carolina happens to be a fairly large state, It's kind of shaped like Indiana, but maybe horizontal, I guess, if you want to think about it that way. And I thought, well, maybe if you track him down, we can hook up with him because we don't really have an itinerary. And he didn't, I don't even think he had him in his contact. So just even tracking him down became a a challenge. But that's what we did. Um, We didn't discover that Windy Gap, North Carolina, and Windy Gap, youth center weren't really the same place till we were on the road on Saturday morning. <laughs> and we thought we were, I thought we were like 20 minutes from where we were supposed to be. Turns out we were over two hours away from where we were supposed to be, which um, uh, my friend Chapman had taught me two years earlier. I just forgot. Uh, and so during that uh, uh, time, we just relaxed and made our way to the youth camp. We got there Uh, picked up my friend at the camp. Um, He was exhausted, which I didn't know that. I just perceived that that might be the case. And we loaded him up in my car and Cameron loaded up in his car. And we began to drive towards his house on the beach five hours away. So we just did. That's just what happened. And I think if I have my... Thoughts right, Cameron? I think it was between that time and just hitting the road that you discovered where Jimmy was. So once we left the retreat center, we have my new friend Jimmy, Jimmy Murray, is that right? Jimmy Murray, my new friend. We were going to go see him in Charlotte, North Carolina, South Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, we got to have lunch with Jimmy Murray, who Cameron hadn't seen in a decade, I don't think. And they got to... um, a while ago, Danny was talking about the words we say, but in Second Corinthians, sometimes we don't have to say words. It says we're an aroma of life by just being there, so Cameron got to be an aroma of life to a friend he hadn't seen in a decade, and if I remember right, he felt there was something mysterious about why we were there, almost illegal is kind of what he was alluding to because... <laughs> just explain the story of why we were there. We didn't bring the God into it. We just explained the story, and he said it makes no sense whatsoever, which is kind of what I'm saying to you. When you follow the Spirit, it may not make any sense whatsoever. But Jimmy, just le- when we left Jimmy at lunch, I'm sure he was wondering what just happened. And so we went from there, and as we were driving down the road, um, my friend Neb is struggling to stay awake, but something lights his eyes, and he says, you think we could stop at the Rockingham exit, Keith? And I said, yes, absolutely. And it was one of the things that brings joy to my heart that he wanted to stop for. There was a Dairy Queen store there, and so we got to have a Dairy Queen, which really there's not much more spiritual than a Dairy Queen blizzard, in my opinion. (laughs) So we shared that together. And um, we continued on our way. And I think it's safe to say we switched out Neb decided he wanted to drive the rest of the way when he was, what, a mile away? He thought he had it at a mile. So Cameron and I got in the car together to follow him home. And some 15 minutes later, he calls, and we're a mile from his house. Some 15 minutes later, he calls us and asks us where we are. And so we miraculously made it to Neb's house for the night, uh, which is a whole other story. What happened, Cameron and I enriched our friendship And we were both able to see the Spirit leading in something that made no sense at all, why we would even go to North Carolina. And even the next morning, there was a person that I needed to see in North Carolina who was not responding to what we were doing. And as we were, he lived near the Raleigh area. And so as we were heading towards Raleigh, it was on our trail, which from what I've told you that our trail doesn't really mean anything because I sometimes just wander, but Uh, We ended up getting to have coffee with this person who really doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. And we just let him smell what Jesus smells like. We didn't say anything about Jesus to him. We just hung out and listened and talked. And so uh, we made it home safely and had a wonderful time enriching our friendship. And that's kind of what the Spirit-led life looks like, in my opinion. It isn't something that can be crafted by rules. It's a part of from the law. It's this creator of the universe living well within you. And so I, I go back to where I started. Rusty texted me this week, and I, he essentially was saying, uh, I'd like for you to join a top golf league with me on Monday nights so that you can meet my friend. And I just didn't. I didn't mind meeting his friend. I just didn't want to give up Monday nights to go top golfing because I'm competition just doesn't work well with me. I don't respond well to competition, and I just try to avoid it because I know my own self, and I just thought if I went into competition and somebody new met me and my flesh came out, they probably wouldn't like what they saw, so I'm just not into that. And so um, anyway, his name is Kurt, and as I was sitting there. Writing out my notes and got interrupted earlier in the day, asking what I was doing, telling this person about the part in my hair. It occurred to me that I could go meet Kurt because Kurt's a barber, and I could go have him cut my hair, and then we would know each other and be friends rather than me going and play top golf. And so that's why I had my first haircut in 25 years at the barber shop yesterday. I'm exhausted. And I guess I would close with this. The funny thing is, in my experience, when I walk by the Spirit, I just don't have a lot of time for fleshly things. Father, thanks for letting us hang out today. <laughs> thanks for giving the patience to my friends to listen to this story. And thanks that you did come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you guys have a great day.